This is the Sports Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com for February 26th. I'm your host, RJ Bell, and we're broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Each week we talk about upcoming games and teach you how to handicap any game. I'm joined by Marco D'Angelo, bringing 29 years of handicapping expertise to the table, Vegas Runner, a genuine Las Vegas professional better who lives on his winnings, and Stephen Nover, an actual sports betting journalist, some would say the leading sports betting journalist, based out of Las Vegas. Okay, let's get straight into the show. First up, remember, our focus is different. It's not about conversation you hear on talk radio. It's about making money. It's about sports information, betting information. So we take a little different angle, and we think we do a great job with it. Now, speaking of that, we're going straight into a, a profile with Vegas Runner right now. Is one of the things that VR has been doing a little differently recently, and uh, you can tell us uh, when we start here, VR, uh, when you, you did start this, is he's been going down, he lives in Vegas, has for over a decade, he's been going down to the strip and been making even more network contacts with these professional batters. So why don't you just kind of give us an overview of what you're doing down there, what you think you're gaining from it, how long you've been doing it. Absolutely. Um, well, I stopped moving steam being a runner on the strip around 2000. Um, that's pretty much was the end of my career on the strip, betting games for other people. Um, since that time, I'll eventually place a couple larger wagers for friends of mine that want to get down here in Vegas. Um, but besides that, I've relatively stayed away from the strip, done a lot of my work with locals across the country, a little bit offshore. And, you know, I do some work on the strip I've done uh, past few years. Uh, then it dawned on me, I've been out of there for a while. You know, I haven't been down there in a long time to really be in the mix on the trading room floor. Um, and that's an interesting point is the analogy of the sports betting market being similar to the stock market. This is a place where people buy, people people sell, really. And because really, if you think about it, if it's two teams, team A versus team B, you're either, if you're buying team A, you're selling team B. Exactly. And um, before, when, when I was a runner, I mean, we like exactly like you said, we'd meet on that floor every morning, that trading floor, and you'd get the, to pass notes around with each other, you know, and also Sunday when the lines came out for the next week. So I was getting a lot of vital information. Along with that, I got to speak with a lot of ticket writers who, believe it or not, ticket writers are some of the best sources of information you could possibly come across here in Vegas. Because these are guys that are seeing the faces. If you Exactly, think. And, and there's a select few that deal with what we call the regular. And these regulars, the guys that bet big, um, the professional syndicates only deal with these certain ticket writers because these guys don't make errors. These guys know what they want. These guys have the confirmation numbers because a lot of times if you're going to bet a steam play or if they know you're a runner or you're working with a syndicate, you got to get authorization to make a bet. Like for me, because I'm associated with that, if we go right down now to the Pal Station and I try to bet 300 on a total, they're going to have to get authorization thinking is it a steam you know probably because I know them they'll ask is this a move is this one of yours and out of professional courtesy I answer them that's why I've been able to last here over a decade and haven't been chased out of these places um, so so I mean there's it it just dawned on me that I have to get back in the mix I mean we were doing well but I said now sports betting is evolving there's a whole new you know now with the new term with the new president people are thinking are they going to pass internet gambling and I mean there's a whole new over the last five years I think it's really taken a turn for right, the so, and, and what's interesting is if you talk about the idea of that network is a network before the internet was geographically limited usually it'd be people in a certain city so usually there'd be hubs of activity for sports betting it'd be Vegas for poetry it might be Greenwich Village for you know punk music LA and there's these hubs that were geographically based now clearly Vegas was always one of the key sports betting hubs now with the internet the hubs don't need to have that geographic limitation is on a posting forum like a pregame.com there can be the experts from all around the country interacting that said there's still the physical hubs 
like you're talking about in the major casinos where these batters are hanging out from town and if you plug into that network there's a lot of information to be gained absolutely and not just with other professional betters or you know ticket writers I mean there's sports book managers that you get to know and I mean they're, they're free with the information they have no reason not you know, to, to start conversation with you and let you know what's going where and, and even to pick your brain a little bit um, when they know what you do for a living. Well, in a way, if you think about it, and, and this is an interesting concept, and, and I, I, as I was taking notes this week, I wrote something down. I said, if you play against the opening line, you're pa- playing against the odds maker. If you play against the late line, you're really playing against the market because True. the market has affected the line. So in a way, these odds may, or, or bookmakers don't need to talk to you. And they, I'm not saying they don't, right. but the act of your betting speaks. Now you're telling them who you like by making a bet, and they adjust the line accordingly. Exactly. And, I mean, that's what they used to do in years past. And when it went corporate, it changed. Like, you will know, like Sonny Reisner always did that. He'd offer a couple professional well-known so this is good, his numbers. This is a good, let's do a quick little jump over and then we'll let ASU finish up. Steven, from your experience, and you've been in town how long now? I've been in town in Las Vegas since 1984. Okay, so so um, 15 years now. Oh, wait, is that, it's 25, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> I wish I was, were just 15 you look years. So you, Steven, you look so youthful, I couldn't imagine 25. But <laughs> You should have seen me before I had little kids. Oh, okay, <laughs> fair enough. So what's been your experience in regards to two questions? One is what value do you see with those networks based around the casino floor or sportsbook floor? Uh, and number two, how has it evolved? Well, first I had kind of got a laugh out of VR saying how sharp some of the ticket writers are. And they are. I was laughing because some of them are, are sharper than the book managers <laughs> whose background is in Keno. <laughs> and these guys are, you know, sheer sports guys. And that's been the case more recently than before, right? Right, right. The corporate mentality is right. you don't need that. Okay. Yeah. Where these guys are running Keno and sports betting. Uh, here, let me write this ticket. All, all, uh, Keno number hit, excuse me, you know, where, uh, but... Um, well, back to your original question. Um, I um, the syndicates, uh, some of them, you know, may play Vegas or they'll have Vegas representatives. Uh, I, I was curious, so VR, maybe you could answer my question for me. They don't they still want to talk to you? Uh, sure, as RJ said, you're tipping your hand by making your moves, but aren't there are there times when there's games going on where you're maybe trying to set up middles, or you really want this one side, but you want to show a false move and let the public jump on that, and then you come on the other side to get the better number. Do you notice any of that going on? Uh, more years past. Now, although I am still one of the guys that agree that this is not an efficient market at all. All right, so let's discuss what that means. An efficient market, and this is theory from finance, is that whatever the line is is what the line should be because everyone collectively smart enough to figure out what the line should be. And in an efficient market, you can't win if you have to lay juice. An inefficient market means sometimes the line's going to be five, but it should be seven. Exactly. But it has become a lot more efficient because of the internet, because all these sports books are, are more pulled together using the same numbers. So we don't, it's not happening as much as it did in the past, where before you might bet only a dime on a total at one book, so word gets across the street you know, they made a move on this over and slowly they start moving it when your real intentions were to come in hard with the under three hours later. Um, it happens a lot less because it's becoming more and more efficient as the internet and, you know, more casinos are using the same odds makers and the same lines. So, um, well, gonna... so let me try to understand that. All right, so let's say we're 25 years ago and the market was even more inefficient than it is now, meaning if you banged a number at Sportsbook X, wherever that is, it might take a while for Sportsbook Y to figure it out and move their number. Now, how to me, that seems to offer an opportunity to get more money down. Right, because one of the things the syndicates do best is they bet in concert or all at the same time right. and don't allow the, the market to change. But if there's 20 minutes between line moves back in the day, it was easier to go to the first book, second book, third book, and always get the best number. Oh, and hit them all, absolutely. And now you have to be more uh, organized in order to do that as a, as a syndicate group. How does that, though, the change from the lines moving more slowly to more quickly decrease the ability to create a momentum play and then then bet the other side. So what Steven's saying, and this is what they always said about Billy Walter's plays, is 
Sometimes he'll like Team A, he'll play Team B, people will get a whiff, but he'll play some on Team B. People get a whiff that he likes Team B, and he's this regarded guy. So they start betting Team B. The line settles two, three points later, and then he ends up betting Team A like he intended to all along. Not only does he have the better number, but he has the middle. All right, so that's what we're talking about with the false moves. How is it that the efficient market makes that less viable? I believe there's a lot less manipulation going on. I think there's a lot less windows of opportunity for manipulation going on because of that. Um, you know, they've come up to speed. I, I mean, there was less than 10, 15 years ago, there were bookmakers I was using that still used newspaper lines, you know, and the football newspaper lines come out Tuesday. And here's <laughs> a guy reading me them same lines Saturday afternoon. You know, that's changed. You know, that that's where I think it's evolved. I think that's where the, the, the market's gotten more efficient. That's where I think it, it's more No, difficult. I agree. And, and, and again, what I try to think of myself as hosting this is as a listener is, is oftentimes I'll listen to a podcast or anything and say, wow, I don't understand. I don't think it's being clear, but the host isn't drilling down. So my guess is if I'm not understanding, there's other people out there perhaps not understanding. So I agree with you 100% is the efficiency of the market makes it harder to beat sports betting. But, but how does the efficiency of the market make it? And maybe you misspoke originally, so I just want to understand. Mm -hmm. How does the efficiency, increased efficiency of the market make it harder for there to be momentum plays, which then allow the buyback? I think because the adjustment comes quicker. Uh, like you said, you don't have 20 minutes now. Okay. If you see even sports books that don't cater to wise guys, you know, a book like Bodog, who hates sharp money. Okay. And even they monitor the lines and as soon as there's a steam play they'll move their line even further uh, it's called moving on air is what they say they're watching the screen they without don't get the action. any action okay but if anything then maybe to clarify what you're saying the fact that the market moves in concert again together more than it used to it might make it easier to move the line but harder to take advantage of getting the best number and all across the board okay, and with more agreed. books because of that where, where before you had to make a wager for that bookmaker to move his number. So the numbers nowadays, move, yeah. I look on my screen, I see Chris just got hit with over 148 on Towson State. I don't need to let my phone ring and have you come in for a dime on the over. I move it to 150. I'm useless to you right now. So the, exactly. So the lines are more correlated. They move more easily, which allows for those buybacks and stuff. But it's more difficult to get the best number or to get a late or tardy number perfect. because everyone's moving. You clear it up perfect. Okay, great, perfect. great, excellent. Okay, so let's let's think about. All right, so last thing as we wrap this uh, this conversation, VR. Two quick questions. One is, what do you feel like you've seen down there that wasn't happening six years ago? What are you picking up since you've been down on the strip you know, regularly? And number two, how are you using that information to benefit both your premium pick buyers but also the guys at pregame.com? Uh, what I've come to realize is that betters are more sophisticated now. You don't see – you see one-sided games – but there's more contrarians now. There's more people that want to be sharps. There's more people watching monitor and line moves. They're more educated is what I'm seeing. Even your $20, your $30 better has more concept of the market than we did in the past. Where 20 years ago, you like the Bulls, you're from Chicago, you're betting them. Mm -hmm. They come to the window, they want to bet the Bulls. They don't even ask what the number is. What percent of those early moves get there, especially on totals like a Towson State? The early money. Is that all the right money? Early in the money? season, they were destroying them. I mean, you saw that they stopped putting out totals until one in the afternoon because mm -hmm. they were getting killed. Obviously, they've seen a couple, They've after seeing a, a handful of games with each team, odds makers made a tougher number to beat, and that's changed. Early in the season, if you saw, the steam was killing the unders. Destroying them with At unders, this point now the they're season. coming back with the over because the odds makers adjusted. But now the odds makers are a lot stronger with his number. But what I see down there when I'm sitting on the floor, I see what the public's doing, your, your average tourist, your average wannabe Las Vegas wise guy who isn't there yet but wants to be a professional better, seeing how his reasoning, I'm able to yes, pick she, things up from the sportsbook managers, from the ticket writers, from the line moves at one casino which aren't being you know, adjusted at another property, finding out the reasons for that. 
Well, that's one of your strengths. You're down there in the trenches, but this is a huge posting forum topic. Are the early moves right? How high is the percentage? Now, is what I've always... known historically. No, I, I, I'm ahead. sorry. I think the strongest moves come between set six, uh, what, three thirty, six thirty, and eight o'clock Eastern. The late moves that the are stronger than the earlier moves are the strongest. That's where they're getting down. Well, on and one I'm, hand, you know that they're not going to be false moves. As you get closer to game time, you, you're not going to have time to double back. Manipulate. Exactly. And also, the reason for this is because we were trained to do it this way. Because if you think back 10 years ago, I didn't have access until I came to Vegas to bet at 11 o'clock in the morning. So we were pre-programmed to wait for bookmakers to go in their offices at 6 o'clock. All right, so, so I think here's a great transition time, and actually we're going to extend this conversation a few more minutes, and, and I think it's such a good one. What we're going to talk about in this first segment, too, was in the NBA, uh, as we move towards later in the season, what, what teams are giving up and how do you identify those teams. What I want to do is extend this conversation uh you know, five more minutes, and then next week we'll pick up on that All-Star uh, break, post-All-Star break NBA conversation. Marco, now here you're a guy that's, that was in Pennsylvania, which is a, a Pittsburgh area, big betting state, but clearly not legal, big betting area around Pittsburgh, and you just moved to Vegas in January of 08. So you really, amongst our listeners, a big chunk of them, make major major portion of their bets are with locals, guys that do open at 6 o'clock. I can speak for myself, all coming up through the ranks, is my guy, my main guy was out of Pittsburgh, opened up at 6.15. He didn't move his number. So I had from 6.15 to 7.30 to bet that same number. And I I, I literally would wait, and, and, and every day I'd play a couple games I liked, and I'd play the two-point line moves. So he always bitched, but you know he always paid. So I think those days are still here to some degree, not as much as a guy that was the locals were the focus in your area. How did you think about the market and line moves and all that as you were coming up batting? Well, obviously, I've gone through three decades of you know change in the way lines are going. I mean, there's so much more information available today than you had before. Just a perfect example is one of the products on our own site, uh, Sportsbook Spy. You never were able to be able to know where the public was at. I mean, back in the day in, you know, in football season, the popularity of football cards, I used to pay a couple local runners to get the information of the cards so that I knew where the popularity is. Now you can log into a site like Pregame and go to Sportsbook Spy and know where the squares are playing and where the money's at. All right, so Sportsbook Spy is a product where we have actually multiple online sportsbooks. We get the raw betting data, and we tell you the percentages on each team. You can check that out at sportsbookspy.com. Now what's interesting is is if line moves and public action were correlated, then you wouldn't really need to know the public action. All you'd have to do is see where the line moves are, and you say, okay, the public's playing the way the line's moving. But what we all know and what was the big discovery of content like Sportsbook Spy is oftentimes the public will be one way extremely, the line won't move, or it might move the other way, which is many believe an indication that the sharps are on one side, the public's on another, and there's a lot of theories about how you can win with that. Absolutely. One of the biggest things that I loved is when you would see the public on one side in you know, a lot of early publications in football, and I used to read all of the you know, uh, newsletters. Basketball, you don't have as many newsletters because of the scheduling issues. But in football, when every writer's writing a game a week in advance thinking the same way, and the public's coming in on the game the same way, but the line is moving the other way, that's an automatic. Those are the, those are the highest percentage plays is when the money goes opposite all of the public and everybody, the media and so forth. When you say automatic, it's an automatic position you want to take. That's it's not an automatic yeah, win. That's where I want to be. And, and I feel that those plays will win close to 70% of the time. And, that, and that's something that, you know, when those situations happens, you jump on them. Doubling back one thing to VR and the climate here in Vegas, the thing that, you know, when you were out here, you know, 15, 20 years ago, there was all independent casinos. Right now, the, whole, the entire strip is really run by three, you know, major corporations, exactly. MGM, Mirage, Harris, and Coast Properties. And then you throw in the sportsbook industry of Leroy's. You've really got four people controlling 
most of the betting in Las Vegas. So you don't have those line moves like you used to say, where you could get down at the Stardust and, you know, run up the street to, you know, the MGM and be a big difference. I mean, everything's owned by four people. And when a move happens, it happens, boom, instantly. And, and Marco brings up a good point. We discussed at length the idea that lines are more correlated because of all the information available and the sports books aren't in the dark about where the other number is. But there's also another point. There's less likely to be off lines, OFF, off lines. And that was something where when you look, for example, a pregame, you can go to pregamelines.com and get free updated odds there in real time. And you'll see a half point difference a lot. And, and, and there's a lot of value in those half points. So you want to shop hard and get those. But even 10 years ago, there was a point, point and a half much more often, not just cause of moves, but... The, the books were kind of like islands by themselves, worried about their action. Now they're looking left, they're looking right, and everything's a little bit tighter, I think. You're right. And I mean, there were legendary bookmakers here, I'm sure Steve knows, that were willing to use their line and say, I'll book it at my number. They weren't worried about what the other shops were doing. And, and that's something Pinnacle used to be famous for, is they were willing to take a stand on the game because they believed that was the right number. And if you think about it, if a book has the exact same number as everyone else, then there's really no reason to play anywhere special. So you just play whatever is convenient. But if you have a better number number somewhere else, you're going to go out of your way to play there. But but these books are unwilling to ha offer a better number because they want to be they want to follow what everyone else is doing. And plus, uh, I think Pinnacle set the trend on this is rather than move off the number, they just move the juice. Yeah, and that's so another the number interesting. changes. Why open the, juice? the door to get metal? Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and that's a that's a whole conversation right there. Okay, so I think Marco brought up an interesting point too, uh, which kind of stemmed from the conversation about oh the the locals and all that. If you have the opportunity to take advantage of a unusual proposition, it doesn't take a lot of thinking in order to do it. Let's say there was a sports book or a local dumb enough to say, I don't want 11 to 10 from you. I'm going to give you 10 to 11. Bet 100 win 110. Now, that sounds crazy, but let's imagine someone was that crazy. You wouldn't need to think about the games you want to play. You'd want to play every game because you'd have an edge. Even if you're flipping a coin, you'd have an edge on every game, like the bookie does when you reverse it now. They get 11 to 10. Now, that's an extreme case, but if you have a book who or an out that's willing to give you a line at 6.15 and bet and you can bet into that line until 7.30 Eastern, then you should take huge advantage of that. Is everyone isn't limited by the way Vegas does things or the way the online's do it. A lot of books, you know, I had a guy once, this is no lie, and, and maybe this is right, maybe this is wrong, but I had a horrible January 1st. And, uh, and, and I was down pretty big. Yes, I was about 18, 19. Uh, so maybe uh, these days uh, you guys won't judge me so harshly with this. But uh, this guy would get the number from the newspaper or whatever. And he didn't even know that there was a time change. So I was down about five, 6,000 as a 19-year-old kid. Right? <laughs> and, and he called me up and, and I get the line. This is you know, back in you know, 90 or whatever. And he gives me the line on a game that was scheduled for that night. But it was, uh, but it was already done. The game had been played. So I call him back in about 10 minutes. I go, you know, I'm really thinking I want to get out of this hole. I go, I want to make a big bet today. He goes, all right, go for it. So I ended up putting like two and a half dimes on that. And then I said, you know, I said, I'm thinking of parlaying this too. I love this game. <laughs> so I've only been lucky enough to have that happen once. And it, it didn't even get me back to even. So I don't feel too bad about no, it. And but. you're right. And, and, and the thing is... People that have locals across the country, there are guys that still do that and give, you know, weaker lines. And I think you have to take advantage exactly. of it. If you're not moving steam, that's fine. I mean, when I was doing it in the beginning, when I was like, not greedy, but anxious to get outs, because the more outs you had, the more you could get down, the faster you get to play. So I would take anybody. Eventually, it got to a point where a guy would read me his lines and right away, I'd not even give him a game. I knew I can't deal with this guy in two weeks, he's not he's gonna cut me off or he's not gonna pay me. Guys like that, you know. But for you know, guys listening that have locals that are gonna give them weak lines, wait, look at the market, watch the line moves. Marquez does it, one of my guys, he's got a Hawaiian bookmaker out there who gives them lines that are three points off. 
So he could wait till two exactly. minutes to tip you want to take advantage of that. And take advantage. And ideally, if the game's been played, that's even that's better. That's even better. All the better. <laughs> Marco. I just want to tell our listeners, because this is audio and they can't see. I'm wearing a red shirt in here today. And when RJ was telling that story, yeah, he, he, do, he does have a conscience because his face was redder than my <laughs> red shirt. And my shirt is really red. Well, I can promise you I've been stiff by more guys than I ever, <laughs> I ever ran an angle on. I can promise you that. So, um, Okay, couple closing points. Interesting conversation. Kind of fun about podcasts we didn't intend to go down this road but uh, because we do allow these conversations to go where they go a, a normal radio show there's eight minute breaks and all that stuff we're not limited by any of that here at the no, pregame podcast awesome. so and remember next week we'll be talking about the all-star break post NBA action um, in segment two here we're going to be talking about two different teams one going uh let me see, Marco. Uh, fresh, refresh my memory. We're here. going with Memphis in college basketball. Okay. Why is this team not getting the respect from the pollsters? Okay. And in the NBA, the Detroit Pistons exactly. that are an absolute trending free, teams. free fall. So we're going to talk about these trending teams. Two quick comments and things. One is, and, and, and then I'm going to want VR to rap about, about about the subject of how he's helping the forum out with this information. Is one is when I came to town in '98, I used to hang down the Stardust a decent amount, which was their their tagline was where the line originates. See, that's the, the training grounds for anybody. And Sunday night out, a lot, lot of sharp guys down there. I met one guy specifically was a world level backgammon player that was trying to make a living betting sports, kind of like Gus Hansen with the poker. And I think we actually mentioned that last week. Uh, taught me a lot. Is you said, oh, the normal guy's sharper now. I think what's happened is those old-timers, the kind of guys that used to go to the track, you know, the kind of guys that have 20 pieces of paper in their pocket, those guys, I think, are either betting so small now, and not, not all of them, but those guys, I think, are, are either retired or they're betting so small, and there's that next generation, and these guys kind of grew up with the computer, even if it wasn't the Internet, and I think there's just a more intelligent approach to betting in general. I think that, that might be the reason for what you're observing, the sharper action uh, just all the way down the line. Absolutely. And you're right. The old timers are slowly trickling. I mean, and you hear people on forums all the time, oh, it's a Billy Waters play. And Billy Waters owns seven golf courses. You know what I mean? <laughs> right now, he's not really too interested on Towson State against Massachusetts. I mean, you can remember back <laughs> at your Stardust days. Do you remember the room they had behind the sports book? Yeah, the library. You go in and they had the... Before the internet. internet yeah, yeah, before the, the internet. Library. And people would be huddled around reading over all your day shoulder. And great information. And, and to close up on that, RJ, it is. Being down there, it's like nothing else in the world. And unless you... If you visit for a weekend, you'll feel it a little. But I think you have to live here. Like, I, I recommend anyone coming out here for a college basketball season or just for a football season... For the and, whole season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Three, four months. You got an you extra, know, you got an extra room with Absolutely. You could stay with VR. And, uh, well, you better not. So you'll get a big list if people want to do Training grounds. No, and, and you do. You just pick up so much. And just the littlest thing that I, I pick up and you're able to turn it into money. And that's why now I'm laying it out on the forum that I am down there. And anybody who wants to, anyone listening, you want to know something about a game, if I'm not on the game, I'll give you everything I have. All on right. That so what are you doing? So what are you doing in general? Your threads I've seen uh, have always had good information. Been much more active recently. What exactly are you doing with the information? Here's what I'm about? trying to do. I'm trying to get back on there. On I, the forum. Yeah, I, I go down to the strip around one o'clock our time, which is about four o'clock Eastern. And between one and three is when I hit about five, six different books, speak to who I have to speak to. And then I, I pick the book I'm going to hang out that day, depending on the crowd. Um, and that's where I'll stay. When you're saying crowd, not just how busy it is, but who the sharp guys are who's there. Who's there, exactly. Um, and, and then what I do is I make sure I go into the forum at three o'clock to check on my thread to see did any of my guys ask a question about a game? Did anyone else come in and ask a question about a game? that I could offer some kind of information that I picked up down here. So I make sure so I So you're bringing in. your computer down to I the... have my laptop down there. I'm ready to go, man. Okay, so really your thread is just going to be pretty much an all-day uh, uh, feeding frenzy in regards to the information you pick up you're going to pass on Until 7 o'clock, absolutely. And the things you got to ask because I don't know what you're looking for. So you uh, know, don't be shy if you want to know what uh, uh, about what's happening with a game or money on a game or something like that. Now, how is this information that you're gathering helping your bets and your premium plays at pregameprose.com? 
it has already just in this limited amount of time rj helped us so much and i'm not just talking about the recent run of results but just little bits and pieces of information that have gotten me off a game or gotten me heavier on a game i mean i've come back in and, and pregame where we didn't have the time to even market a game as a four-star game of the month because i had up my package as a three-star and here i am at the counter speak to the sportsbook manager go to get a drink of water, bump into a guy that's going to unload on, on on the same game I am who dropped some really strong info on me. Next thing I know, I jump into my laptop, I upgrade it to a four-star. And that's huge for us, a unit here, a unit and there. And you're trying to replicate with your, for subscribers or your service, you're trying to replicate what you're betting so they can bet the same so way. So they can do exactly, because that if that particular bet, I was going to bump it up. So I said, you know what, I'm going to give my clients the opportunity to do that also. So I went in and I made sure I let them know we're upgrading this to a four-star. Even though it's not written on the package for sale, it's a four-star play. Well, I tell you, great conversation. And what we're going to do is we're going to be wrapping segment one. Segment two is coming up, and we're going to be talking about the trending teams. This is RJ Bell, founder of Pregame.com, here to tell you about our free $25 offer for new members. That's right, join pregame.com for free and you get $25 to spend any way you want. No purchase or obligation required. For $25, you can get just about any best bet you want. This is a no-lose deal. Sign up takes less than 60 seconds. Visit pregame.com backslash join. That's pregame.com backslash J-O-I-N and get your free $25 before it's too late. And we're back, the Sports Betting Preview Podcast from pregame.com, February 26, segment two of three. Okay, during basketball, this is where we talk about teams that are trending, either up or down, and is it true that they're up, at the, up or down so strongly, or is it deceiving, and what are the betting opportunities associated with that? Okay, so Marco has strong feelings on this Memphis college team. So, Marco, hit it. Well, first of all, to me, Memphis is the Rodney Dangerfield of college basketball. This team's just not getting the respect from the pollsters, the line makers. Let's just stop and think for a second. They played for the national championship last year. They, you know, they choked it away in the final couple minutes. They should have been the national champs. They should be the defending national champs. And they're sitting at fifth in the country. Okay, so you say, well, that's great. They're ranked fifth. They were ranked fifth last week. The four teams in front of them, Pitt was fourth. Pitt won both of their games last week, leapfrogged from four to one, jumping over Connecticut, Oklahoma, and North Carolina, who all lost. Memphis won both of their games last week, and they didn't go up in the, in the rankings. How, how can that be? The team has three losses on the season, all three losses came at the beginning of the season in the first three weeks of the season, late November and early December. They've done nothing wrong since. They're undervalued in the bookmakers' eyes as well. They're 8-2 and two against the spread. Generally, when you have top 10 teams, they're marquee teams, plus the fact that they were the, you know, in the national championship game last year, they're still covering the number. The team does everything right. The one flaw that they've always had, and it cost them in the – championship game was their foul shooting but this team doesn't turn the ball over four of their last six games 10 turnovers or less that's amazing in college basketball the team plays defense four of their last five games they've held teams to under 50 points um, they've held nine of their last 11 opponents to 40 percent shooting or less I just don't know why this team doesn't get the respect and I think as long as they're undervalued I'm going to take advantage of them Okay, so a couple questions. One is, would you consider the national rankings, the top 25 rankings, an indication of public perception? You have public perception with the writers, the media. Um, but usually the media isn't so savvy. They're, they're like the general public with these polls. They are. The, the one knock that they give Memphis is because they're in Conference USA. There's nobody left in Conference USA because you know Cincinnati and Louisville went to the Big East. So the conference is left, you know, empty. But they can't help who, they, who they've played. They're doing everything right. 
Okay, so when you say that they're underrated, what is the measure in your mind of that? Is it the point spread you're seeing on their games? Absolutely. I mean, when you've, like I said, when you have a marquee team that's beating the spread at 80% over the last 10 games, they're undervalued. Vegas has not given them the, the due that they should have. And they are laying points in probably eight of them 10 games and a lot of points at that. The only time they were, they were an underdog twice. Gonzaga. They went to Gonzaga. Buried, you know, buried them by 18 on their floor, a tough home floor, and they went to Tennessee, a SEC school, Big and, you know, and won on the road there in a 54-52 game. They can play up tempo and they can play, you know, a half court game. That's the beauty of a strong defense. So what's interesting here is not only have we identified a team that we think is good, and that's easy. All you got to do is look at the top 25. The top five of those are good teams. The question is, are they underrated? And if so, how do you take advantage? Which is you look to play on them. And it seems like that recently Memphis is been underrated in regards to the line, and I don't see any reason it wouldn't change or that, that it is going to change immediately. Here. And, they, and they've got to have a chip on their shoulder, the fact that they didn't go up in the rankings last week. You know, sitting at five when three of the four teams in front of them all lost and pit leapfrog four, you know, jumped from four to one. Okay, so Vegas runner, any thoughts on Memphis? <laughs> yeah, it's I expected them not to get the respect early on. I mean, let's tell it like it is. They lost three studs, 53% of their offense, and 45 points a game. So you're not going to get that respect, especially when your point guard's gone also. But this is a team that had two juniors, two seniors, along with just a freshman starter this year. So I thought they were going to be good. I just thought it was going to take a little while for them to gel, and that's exactly what happened. They've since won 14 straight games. But early on, you know, they lost to who? Xavier, Georgetown, and Syracuse. That was pretty much their non-conference schedule. If you can't beat these teams, you can't get ranked. They're not going to rank you on Conference USA wins alone. So that part I understand. So you're saying that their early season problems has stuck in people's minds even after they've performed better. Exactly, and I think the last month, month and a half is when what was time to take advantage of Memphis this past month. I think now everybody's starting to catch on. Everybody's starting to see that, you know, even with Rose gone and Douglas Roberts gone, that this team has some studs with Dozier and Anderson seniors staying when they could have went pro. I mean, they definitely, this team, had, Calipari had a purpose. The thing about this team is they're tall. They're the tall, one of the tallest teams in the country, lengthwise. They're athletic, but the problem I see is they can't shoot from the outside. If you see for college ball to have less than 20% of your points come from the three-point range, I don't think that's enough to get it done when you're not as dominant inside as you should be. And again, this team's winning with defense, RJ. They're like he said, they're the number one, number two defensive team in the country. I think it's between them and Louisville. So when March Madness comes, this is definitely a team nobody's going to want to face. Okay, and I find it interesting that this is a perfect example of something that was I discussed in a blog post. Remember, you can go to pregame.com and click blogs or go directly with pregameblogs.com and read blogs from me and, and many other pregame.com people. Is College basketball is the main sport where the players can mature during the year is if it's an average, let's say that the best players play only two years in college, is a half a year is 25% of their total time at the school. So if you have a team that does poorly early and have a few kind of very obviously bad performances, but they're a young team, they can get better fairly fast and the public isn't going to catch up to them. And, and it seems like the case with Memphis. That's here. what happened with Memphis, RJ. You are 100% correct. People overlooked them in the beginning, especially when they fell over over them teams like a Syracuse and Xavier, people said this team's done. But Calipari, he lost two assistants, two top assistants. That's what I think was the problem early on also. One other thing to add to what you just said about young teams. Remember, big-time programs, it's easier for them to replace stars that move on because they've got recruiting power. Yeah, you They're reload just, instead of rebuild. But this right. Memphis team's uh, what, 104 and 10. 
over the last three years. So, so. so clearly, even if you're reloading, is those first 10 games can be a challenge, no matter how talented you are. And then having them mature, there might be a good opportunity. The learning curve is going to be a lot smaller on a big-time program that is a smaller school trying to replace a star. Especially they don't have that preseason. You know, some of these teams are now going and playing a five-game excursion in Europe, and you see they've played better early on. But with college ball, it takes time for teams to gel. That's why you usually see the tournament winner come off a team that gets hot at the end. Okay. Excellent conversation. Now, as you notice, we heard nothing from Stephen, and that's one of the things I like about the uh, preview podcast is when someone's a specialist and they don't have a strong opinion, they don't just feel a need to say something. But now we're going to the NBA, which is Stephen's one of his specialties, and the Detroit Pistons. Clearly this team's in a free fall. Is it as bad as it seems, or is there some opportunity to go with or against? Stephen? Well, I think uh, I'm going to do a roundabout way of getting to the Pistons. I think LeBron James is your MVP this year. But I think you can mention four other players in the same breath with, Le- with LeBron. You can mention Dwayne Wade, Kobe Bryant, Dwight, Dwight Howard. Howard, and Chauncey Billups. Chauncey Billups. He's given the, the Nuggets a defensive intensity they haven't had, and he's just having a tremendous under-the-radar season. Now, the Pistons traded him even up for Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson at one time, very good, not so good anymore. He's over the hill. He's a coach killer. He's a morale buster. And uh, Pistons have a losing record now. They have a losing uh, losing record since they've acquired Iverson. They have a coach who I think isn't over his head. They've, they don't have any bench, as any of us who bet the under, excuse me, the over in their Sunday night ESPN game found out the hard way. I've never seen such bad reserves in my life. All right, so you know I had the over. Um, (laughs) But also, they've got, they're aged fast. Uh, Rasheed Wallace and Antonio McDice, both starters now. Uh, Michael Curry, their coach, moved McDice into the starting lineup. They're both 34. They're both over the hill. They can no longer defend like they used to. All this is caught up to the Pistons. And uh, I think they're in a lot of trouble. Uh, I I don't see them making the playoffs. And uh, I think as, as far as playing them, I tried to get on them. Two games ago against Miami, wrong loser. I was tempted to play them last night when they did get the cover. I didn't do it because I'm shell-shocked with the Pistons, but you got to be careful with them. You can probably still pick your spots, but as to sit back and say, well, geez, these guys have done in the past. This is a team with a lot of pride. They're going to get it back. Well, I think you're whistling in the wind. I, I don't see that happening. You better be very careful. Either fade this team or stay the heck away from them. Okay, so one concept I'd like to bring to the podcast, maybe on a regular basis, is clearly every team is going to win some against the spread and lose some against the spread. The question is, is is this a team that you want to look to play or look to fade? So the way I would say it is if you played every game from this team, are you going to hit more than 50 or lose more than 50? Um, So with the Pistons, it sounds like you're saying your bet from here on would be ATS they are going to do less than 50%. Well, they're one in seven, I think, against the spread in their last date, and it's not a fluke. I mean, it's a team with problems, morale problems. They don't it's have a good game. Blown out. It's not do you, bad. Beats. Steve, do you, do you know any sports books we can make those bad? Maybe we could. Uh, oh wait, we can't do that. <laughs> they get blown out in games. It's not even bad beats or anything. Yeah, like yeah. I, they're they're a bad team. So, so you're looking to fade. Is there any particular spot you think they're at their weakest? Well, you know, I'd have to look at their their schedule down the road. It, it's a team, you know. You Nothing look at, jumps out, though. Uh, I'm shell-shocked by them, RJ. <laughs> I, I lost on them Sunday night going over the total because they got blown out. And, that, and the reason that went under is because the Cavaliers just totally blew them out. I actually thought they'd show up. National TV, they're resting their guys, primed for that game. I had them against the Heat. I'm wrong there. So I'm not the guy to talk about the Pistons. What you mentioned, though, about the bench is true. I, mean, I had them... Uh, two weeks ago in a game against Chicago. They led the entire game. They were up 19 points in the second half and had a total collapse in the fourth quarter. I think a spot that you might want to look at, you know, extra value to go against the Pistons is when they're playing back-to-back games. Because if a thin, a thin team is going to have more travel in, you know. in the second game. Yeah. Another factor, they are desperately in dire straits that they could miss the playoffs for the first time in 2000, since 2001. If that happens... The stars that you do have on that team, like an Iverson and Rasheed Wallace, those guys are going to quit. 
They're going to quit on a team. If the playoffs slip away those final couple weeks, this team's going to mail it in. And the one thing, when you said Iverson and Billups, the difference in that trade, team chemistry. Right there. That you that chemistry is everything, and Iverson is a chemistry killer anywhere he's gone. So yeah. look to answer RJ's question about where I would look to either back or fade the Detroit Pistons, I think I'd look to fade them when they're a favorite at home. They're still getting the respect that they've had every other season, pretty much, when they're playing at home. People still fear the, you know, the, the, the they perception. Are, they're 7-21 and 21 against the spread exactly. their last 28 exactly. at home. But you have to be still, crazy to bet them at that's home. That's what I said. You fade them at He's home saying the as opposite. favorites. Exactly. They're 7-20, they're, they're and 20, whatever, but how many of them games were they favorites and heavy favorites? But don't you think they've caught on to the they're I, not going to? You bet them last week, and I did too. <laughs> you know? So, no. It doesn't say much for us. <laughs> no, you know? they're costing us, yeah. and, and it, that's what Happen. I've because never seen such a somewhere, spread somewhere what it is is we've seen them come through year in and year out at the end of the season for the last five or six years. And because of that, somewhere, somehow, when we see them at home and we know the public's going the other way, we're backing them. And I think that's where you got to go against this team. I've seen them quit already in games. Uh, you know, I really do not think. When you saw, after the All-Star break, it was Miami and them had the same record. Miami's all excited about going to the championship, and Detroit's talking about packing it in. So, you know, to me, it's over. Here's a pregame nugget for you, and this applies to Detroit, but it applies, you can use it over and over again. When you have an established winning team, like Detroit's been for the last several years, that is takes Vegas the longest to adjust. And remember back in football, in RJ, you'll remember this, and it all happened at the same time. The Dolphins with Shula, the Steelers with Noel, and the Cowboys with Landry. You had three legendary coaches, three legendary teams, and they all went bad at the same time. And Vegas just kept, you know, on prestige. Are you going to give us any Red Grange quotes, too? <laughs> Most <laughs> listeners have no clue what he's saying right now. But well, when, the, when the Canton Bulldogs <laughs> lost Jim Thorpe, they went. Uh, but you know, actually, no, Marco makes a key point. That's a good right. point. I they understand. don't come around yeah. to teams like that because yeah. public's still betting them, so they yeah. have to get and the respect. The, the reason perception. is the public thinks their poor performance is is something's off, but as soon as it's fixed, they're going to be back. Right. And finally, yeah. they, they keep going down, down, and down. So that's a great point. One last point, and and then we'll move on to segment three. You know, Stephen's been around the game 25 years, as we talked about here in town. And even he, after a big loser, has an emotional reaction to the Pistons. And it goes to show you, when you see a guy, a team is 1-6 in six ATS, when you see a team's 1-6 in six ATS, it's not just a number. Every one of those games, there's a lot of people that had mil. you know, if you add it all up, millions on those teams. So the fact that when a team is losing... The, the, the line maker adjusts a lot, has a lot to do with the fact a lot of players are saying like, oh, I'll never go. Like if you eat at a seafood restaurant and you get sick from the food, you're never going back. A lot of bettors, if they have a really bad reaction with the team, will say, I'm not betting them for a long time. And that's where you can get line value because eventually so few people are betting them, the line has to be adjusted extremely. So maybe the Pistons is the Steve end of the year. You won't have them till next year. <laughs> it, it's just it's just tough. It's human nature. You're you're right. Maybe the line value now is with that exactly. team, but when you get your brains beat exactly. in night after you night, don't want you don't want nothing to do with it. Let exactly. them keep their money. Yeah. It's value against the chump factor. Yeah, exactly. You know, cut, cut your losses. All right, again, great segment, guys. We're going to be finishing segment two, segment three, with free picks coming up. This is RJ Bell, founder of Pregame.com, here to tell you about Pregame Forms, the place where sports bettors talk. Hundreds of posters informing and entertaining 24 hours a day with free picks and deep insight. Good people to celebrate wins with and moan about losses. You can post or just sit back and take it all in. Over $10,000 a year is given away in cash and prizes. Go to Pregame.com and click Forms or visit directly through pregameforms.com, where everyone gets back more than they give from the many others giving. And we're back, Sports Betting Preview Podcast from pregame.com, segment three of three, the free pick segment. Now typically in the third segment, we do a question of the week. Over in the forums, pregameforms.com, we open up a thread and we get good questions that uh, people want answered from the experts here. 
Um, this week, since we're running so late, we're at the 48-minute mark right now, the podcast, is we're going to skip the question of the week. But remember, if we don't use your question in any given week, we can use it next week and the week after. So we're going to keep one thread. We used to have a new thread every week. We're going to keep one thread going. And really, it's a rare opportunity to ask true experts exactly what you want to know. Okay, so... Marco, one of the nice features in the third segment, too, is we give a coupon every week in order for anyone that wants to get a premium pick at pregamepros.com. Yes, we're going to give a coupon, and as we always do, it's $10. You can use this coupon, buy whatever you want at Pregame Pros, enter the coupon, and since we talked about Memphis all day and no respect, let's give them some respect and make the coupon Memphis 10. Memphis 10. You enter that in at checkout, there'll be a spot for the coupon code. It'll automatically take $10 off at the shopping cart, and that's good through Monday. Okay, and that's, uh, that's one word, Memphis One word, 10. Memphis 10. Okay, now, who other than who's sitting here on the podcast, who's doing particularly well over at pregamepros.com? Actually, uh, Matty O'Shea has been on a real nice run in the NBA. He's on a 10-2 run with his NBA plays. His triple-dime plays have been red hot. Uh, he hit a, a total earlier in the week, a game of the month, and his totals have been excellent. I think that's like six or seven in a row for him on the totals. So, Matty O'Shea, check him out. Excellent. Okay, so, free pick. Let's go straight to Vegas Runner. Now, in the first segment, Vegas Runner, you were talking about your hot streak, and but you really didn't mention anything, so give no. us a few numbers. No, I'm, I'm doing really well, man. It's college basketball season, and I go into every college basketball season expecting to do well, and as the season progresses, because I'm a data-driven handicapper, I do better as, the, as later in the season. Uh, Nine and two on four star plays. I've hit seven straight tonight. We're going for number eight. Uh, 15 and five on my last 20 best bets. Um, ahead for the season in both the NBA and college basketball. So overall, it's starting out great for 2009, and I'm really excited about what's coming up. March was huge for me last year, March Madness, and I'm expecting even more this year. Uh, Last week, we went with the UFC winner. That got there for us. So now we're going to stay in the ring, but we're going to go to boxing. This is possibly the fight of the year. Juan Manuel Marquez against Juan Baby Bull Diaz. This is going to be a great fight. Right now, Juan Manuel's about minus 140. I think he should be closer to 200. And the only reason it's that low is because they're fighting in Diaz's backyard and because Manuel is 10 years the elder. Um... This is one of them. Styles make fights, like I said last week, and this is perfect for Mar Marquez. Baby Bull fights forward. He don't know how to do anything else. He lost his title to Nate Campbell last fight because Nate Campbell stopped him from going forward. That's not what Marquez is going to do. He's a counterpuncher. He was able to handle the aggression of Pacquiao. If you could handle the aggression of Pacquiao, Baby Bull coming at you will be like a night off. I'm going to lay the 140 with Marquez. I hope it don't get much higher than that. Probably will. Guys that I've talked to down on the strip, some big betters are really liking this side. And uh, I'm probably going to get down early because I, I think they are going to go to the window and unload. So Excellent, excellent. And I like the advice in regards to when you have a lead up to a pick. Should you play it early? Should you play it late? You this never know. This is one of them times where usually in boxing you want to wait to play a favorite because people put their 20 to win 200 on dogs. But this is one of them fights where I'm telling you now, I believe the wise guys are going to get involved. And we might see this go off as high as 160, 175. Good stuff. Good stuff, VR. Okay, so... Steven Nover, you've actually uh, made inferences in the podcast about having some tough beats this week, and that's something that you know we pride ourselves on is even the best batters are only winning 57% of the time, and that means you're losing a lot. So any any bright spots in general, or everything's down right now? Well, I went 2-0 and yesterday. Uh, prior to that, I had a couple of rough days, some real tough beats. Uh, it knocked my uh, season record down to 59%. I was at 60% and taking a lot of pride in that. So season, NBA season? NBA season, <laughs> well, yeah. Awesome. No, it, awesome. it's been my finest season, so I hope to, to get back. And uh, I'm 3-0 and on my NBA free picks on the podcast, so I think I better stick with an NBA game. All right, excellent. game I'm looking at is a Sunday game. And looking ahead like this, I, I look for four factors, and this one fits. This one has revenge, a situational element, injuries, and a hot home club. So this hot home club I'm going to go with on Sunday is the Portland Trailblazers hosting San Antonio. 
these teams just met uh, on Wednesday, and uh, Portland got buried by San Antonio at San Antonio, where, where they never win. They lost 99-84, to and the Spurs did not even have Tim Duncan. So uh, I look for the, the, the Trailblazers. They're 11-1 straight up in their last 12 home games. Duncan has a leg injury. He's questionable. He may not even play. Uh, Ginobili is definitely out with his ankle. He, he's probably out for at least another week. The Blazers didn't have Greg Oden in this game. He has a knee injury. He may come back for this game. So you've got the hot home club. You've got a revenge factor. You've got injuries on the San Antonio side. And now the, the situational element to this. The Spurs host the Cavaliers Friday night. It's a national televised game. It's obviously a huge marquee matchup. They also play at the Clippers on Monday. So this is going to be their fourth game in six days against the Trailblazers. They got the Clippers the next night, who they should beat if they're focused. So this is a team with their coach, Greg Popovich, who's been known to mail in a game uh, if the spot isn't right. And I don't think the spot is right here for uh, San Antonio coming off that huge Cavaliers game. And so I think this is going to be Portland's game. Good analysis. Now, here's what's interesting. When we're, we're taping the podcast on Thursday, there's injury issues and all that that we don't know. But here's the key is if you see factors that are, are going to apply a few days from now, the factors of injuries and such are going to be adjusted in the line. If Odin plays, the line will be a something, a certain something. If he doesn't, it'll be slightly different. So you don't need to overthink that with Steven's analysis. He's saying considering these other factors – at the best number you can get, play this game, which is what we need to do with the three or four day lead time. But it's a very effective way to think about games, I think. You don't need to understand every angle. You just need to understand something big enough to make this a winning pick. Well, I find with the NBA, the way to beat it, if you really like a side and you can handicap some of these games in advance, play the side unless the number is a total ripoff. And most of the time, you're not going to get value, admittedly. Uh, the odds makers are sharp. There's no value usually with NBA games. But if you get on the, on the, on the right side, usually you'll, you'll do well. And to get value, even if it's an extra half point, is have as many outs as you can. One of the nice places that has the best deals from the most trusted books pregameaction.com and you can get bonuses and all that stuff and get the best number. Okay, Marco, how you been running? Uh, my basketball this week, I had a rough Tuesday. I, I lost a big play on Tuesday night in the NBA, but we're 92 and 68 over the last 71 days. So consistently, we have still been winning. That's um, all basketball? That's all. That's basketball and football the last 71 days. Uh, ranked in waiting for the new rankings from the sports monitor but in the last report we were ranked in the top 20 in both nba and college uh, moving on to my free pick for this week uh, it's going to almost sound like a repeat of steven's play looking at situations and uh, we're going to pick on somebody playing the cleveland cavaliers and the houston rockets tonight on tnt huge game for houston houston's playing their best ball of the season right now winning five games in a row and they host the Cavaliers tonight and right now to me there's three teams in the NBA the Cavaliers the Celtics and the Lakers so anytime you're going to play one of those three teams you're going to be sky high add the fact that it's on national TV pumps makes the stakes that much higher I'm going to look to fade Houston on Saturday night they're going to go into Chicago play the Bulls on a Saturday night you'll have a wild crowd in Chicago Houston, win or lose tonight against the Cavaliers. This is a natural letdown spot. If you lose to the Cavaliers, most people will say, oh, well, it's a bounce-back situation. No. When you're playing well and now you get that big test and you fail the test, there's a carryover. It's like being drunk and having a hangover. If you win the game, there's a natural letdown because you, you just proved yourself and you're patting yourself on the back. Chicago plays with revenge. They lost to Houston in Houston, 107-100 um, back at the beginning of February. I'm going to take the Bulls Saturday night at home to win this game. That's my free pick this week. Good motivational uh, details there. Because when you think about it, these are human beings. It's funny. You, it, sometimes you don't think like that. It's almost like they're like a stock or something. But, yeah. I mean, these are human beings. And, and, and there's motivational psychological elements, no doubt. Okay, it's interesting is I've got uh, an opinion on the Spurs the next few days. And typically what I do with the basketball stuff 
is not give a specific game, but say, I look at this team and, and there's something specific I see in the near term. And the reason is this. I'm going to fade the Spurs until Tim Duncan comes back. And here's why. And who knows when that's going to be. But here's why. Is they've played very well without Duncan two games in a row now. And what's happened is, and I actually just did a blog post on this. You can see it at pregameblogs.com. The first game when there's an injury, the team rallies behind everyone else. They put that huge effort in. And then what happens is they typically do better than people think because the line overreacts that first game they're out. There's like, oh my God, Duncan's gone, and it moves three points or whatever. Now all of a sudden this team does well with extra energy, and now the public says, huh, maybe Duncan's not that important. And so the public undervalues the injury in the following games, but now the team can't keep up that heightened level of energy, and thus they come back down to earth. So when you combine those two factors, you can look, and again, this is a general recommendation, look to fade the Spurs till Duncan comes back, and I think there's some value there. Okay, great podcast. What we'll be doing, and remember, this is a weekly podcast, and you can always check out the past issues at pregamepodcast.com. This is where we, each week, we talk about upcoming games and teach you how to handicap any game. We'll be back next week.